Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We done already had church this morning, didn't we? Oh, look at Indian Boston right now. They look so cute. I'm not going to be able to focus looking at these two the whole time. Wow, they got an amazing outfit on today. Wow. Okay, focus, focus, Pastor. Uh, it is Life Group Sunday. I'm new and excited about Life Groups. Starting back up, Life Group Sunday. So let's t- turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41. And uh, this is the account of the first 3,000 believers on the day of Pentecost. It said, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we just took together, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. Verse 46, key verse. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. Now, this is what we're doing right here, the, the, the bigger gathering and assembly. But notice what they also did. They met in homes, life groups, smaller groups, for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals or their tacos. Come on now, somebody. Or their ice cream sandwiches. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship or to their church family, those who were being saved. Can I get amen this morning? If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, Who's in Your Boat? Who's in Your Boat? Now, we've been talking on Sundays about life by design. And don't think that just because I'm preaching about life groups today. I'm not talking about disciplines because I am. Now we're talking about life by design in this series because most of us don't live by design. We live by default. Living by design means I'm doing this on purpose with intentionality and I have chosen and disciplined myself to do certain things because I want a certain life. Now It applies to every part of our life, but it especially applies to our relationships. How many know you need to be intentional about who you do life with? You need to do that on purpose. You need to not just randomly choose people to do life with and, and to be close with. You need to choose not just anybody, but the right people, because that is a matter really of life and death on who you do life with and who you are close to. And when you're thinking about relationships, relationships that are good are disciplined. It takes discipline to be in right relationships. You know what takes no discipline? To be in any type of relationship. But to be around the right people 
having the right friends, having the right group of people in your life to do life with, it takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes intention. It takes you doing some times when you don't want to go to life group, making yourself to go to life group. The times you don't feel like talking to anybody, calling up that friend from church, even though you don't feel like talking because you're being disciplined. And the more you discipline yourself with the right relationships, the more there will be a greater outcome in your life. But just like every other part of your life takes discipline, so does right relationships. It takes effort to have a good relationship. And it takes effort to choose the right people to have a relationship with. It takes design. By choosing the right people, it affects the course of our life. Now, we can't get around this. And uh, I was a youth pastor for a long time, so I feel like this message is completely a youth pastor message. But... Just because you got past 18 doesn't mean you don't need the friend's message. Really, adults are blowing it more than teenagers sometimes on bad friends. Because they just carry them on through high school, carry them on through college, carry them into their 20s and 30s. And it was like, it was funny when you're 16, but not when you're 36. It was cool when y'all were 22, but now you're 52 and you got the same bad friends around you. I got to hold up because I got a long way to go today. But y'all, y'all, y'all starting this with me. You're pulling it out of me today. But we need to be intentional about the people we do life with. Why? Because we become who we hang around the most. No way around it. Try to skirt the issue. Try to say it doesn't affect you. It affects you who you hang around the most. The closest people in your life, you become like those you hang around. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about that. We're going to get into some verses on why that's important. But most of us choose friends by default. Stuff like this. Well, we've always been friends. So, is it helping your life or is it hurting your life? We go way back. They're a family friend. So, is it helping your life or is it hurting your life? Y'all, we went to college together. We were in a fraternity together. Y'all give it up. You got a family and kids now. Grow up, man. Is it helping your life or is it hurting your life? We have to be intentional and not just, we have all these default friends. Well, how'd you get them? I don't know. They just showed up a long time ago and I never kicked them out. Instead of choosing intentionally with design and discipline, I'm going to do life with these people because these people are going to help me. These people are going to help me grow. These people are going to help me change. These people are going to help me fulfill God's plan for my life. They're going to help me be a better husband or wife. They're going to help me be a better father or mother. They're going to help me be better as a person and and make better financial decisions. I'm going to hang around these people and I'm going to do it by design. You know, there's this beautiful thing that happens, and I've said this before. It is a little snarky comment, but there's this wonderful thing that all of you have the ability to do. It's called, you're an adult. You can choose to do whatever you want to do. Y'all realize that? Your mom's not making that decision for you anymore. Your dad's not making that decision for you. Your, your boss is not making that decision Your teacher at school, your coach is not making that decision, but there's a beautiful thing that all of us in this room share. We're adults. 
So we can choose whoever we want to hang out with. We can choose who we do life with. We can choose what kind of friends we have. We can choose what kind of family we have. We can choose what church we want to go to. We can choose. Because we're all adults. We have the power of choice. Of course, even kids can choose to some level. And if they got a good parent, their parent will help them choose. Where are my parents at? The right friends. So none of us in here need to act like, well, pastor, I can't help it. I have no control over this. My relationships are my relationships. It is what it is. No, it's not. It is the way because you chose it to be that way. Because you're an adult. Y'all are so offended right now. The glares I'm getting across the crowd. Y'all didn't know that? Y'all are an adult. Um, and we can choose the relationships we have. Now, the beautiful thing about coming to faith is when you come into faith, God gives you a family. He helps you choose. The beautiful thing about when you come into Christ, he gives you a community to be a part of. So for all of us in here, it's not like we got to be like, I don't know where to find the friends. Right. <laughs> Pastor, you're talking about having the right relationships. We're, we're, you know, I need to get online. I need to go find some friends. No, when you come into faith, God gives you a family. When you get into Christ, he gives you a community of people to do life with. And once again, I'm not saying that's the only people you talk to. This ain't no cult. You need to have friends outside of church. You need to have friends that don't believe like you. You need to have neighbors that you don't agree with. You need to have relationships outside the four walls of this church. But your closest friends and the people you do life with should be a part of the community of faith. There's no way around it. If you are going to become the person that God has created you to be, you cannot do that. If you have friends that could care less about your walk of faith. The Bible says in Amos, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? So you can't be going this way and they're going this way and that friendship work out. You're going to be pulled one way or the other. And a lot of times they're pulling you their way. But the Bible says, where do we find these people to do life with? Where do we find these people that we need to be in committed, healthy, growing relationships with? Well, the Bible says you find that in the local church. That's why we put life groups in place because it's an easy way for people to meet people and to get to know people and to find a way, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can find a community of people to do life with. And notice life groups is not the end of it. That was just a starting place so you could meet people in that group and then do life outside of life group. But we do life groups, so why? All of you can have an opportunity to meet new people and to, to find new relationships. And you can become a part of a community because you need the right people in your life. And trust me, you don't find them at the bar. They're not there. I should have got a better amen on that one. Pastor, I was there last night and I found a lot of them. They were really nice. <laughs> Listen, you were drunk. That's why you thought you thought everybody was your friend last night. No, the, the place you find them is, is, is not at the bar, and it's not necessarily always at work, and it's not necessarily at the college or university you go to. 
I'm not saying be exclusive like you can't hang out with anybody else, but I'm saying the closest people in your life should be a part of the community of faith. Going in the same direction as you. Pulling you up, not pulling you down. Making you stronger in your faith. Making you stronger in your relationships. Making you a healthier, better person. Those are the kind of people you need to be doing life with and close to. And God said you find those in the community of faith, in his house. So this is what happens in the, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, which as we know is the first day of the early church. Um, the Holy Spirit got poured out and it talks about these early disciples came out of the upper room. They were praying in tongues, but the whole crowd heard them speaking in their own language. And what they were speaking in their own language was the good news about Jesus. So all these people were saying, what in the world is going on? So Peter got up and preached a message, and it says, that day, the first day of the church, 3,000 people came to faith on the first day. That's a pretty good start. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41, look at what it says they did immediately when those 3,000 people first got saved. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And notice what they did. Immediately. What does that first word say? What does that first word say? A, a selective group of people who felt like being a part of the church. People, people that had time to come to church and... No, no, the, the Bible says all 3,000 of those people. Now, they had jobs and families and a life. They still do after they got saved. But they decided all of the believers. Notice what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means they came under uh, spiritual authority. They had pastors and leaders in their life preaching to them the word of God, like you're experiencing right now. And to fellowship. Now, fellowship is such a church word. And I realize we use this, but... It's got such a deeper meaning than what we make it to be because we've heard it for a long time. It's a very churchy word, fellowship. We got the fellowship hall. We got the large fellowship hall. We got the small fellowship hall. We got the medium-sized fellowship hall. If, if we want to have a potluck dinner, let's have a fellowship. You know, it reminds me of a very small church word, but it's, it's not really. It's just a biblical word, fellowship. And that word fellowship in the Greek translation is not just a potluck dinner. It's not just a bake sale for your local small church. This word fellowship means that all these people started doing life together. And this life together was not this superficial, I see you at church, hi, bye, God bless, I'm blessed, you're blessed, I'm not going to talk to you for another week. That's what a lot of church people do. And that's why they never grow in their relationships with God or each other because it has to be more than that. Fellowship. The word fellowship is the word koinonia. Now, that word means a deep, intimate friendship with each other. Sharing your life with each other. Talking to each other. Helping each other. Praying for each other. It's not just this, I'll see you at the fellowship next week and we'll eat a couple chili dinners together. Which that's how Amzie got in our church. Whatever it takes, guys. 
He wasn't coming for the preaching. He heard there was a chili cook-off. I'm not even lying right now. This is not a joke. He would not come to a regular service, but he found out there was a chili dinner. And he was sick as a dog. And he didn't care about making anybody else sick either that night. But that was the first introduction to this church was Amzie at a chili dinner, a fellowship. So whatever it takes to see the lost saved and the broken come home. And look, that chili dinner led to him being our worship leader. God does miracles, doesn't he? My God. Bless the Lord. Um, but fellowship is deeper than that. And I, and I like those things. And we're going to have events like that because it's important for all of us to get together. But fellowship is deeper. It's a deep, intimate relationship with other believers. They, they, you're doing life together. You're not just talking to them one time a week on a Sunday morning. That you're eating with them and, and you're going to the gym with them and, and you guys are having each other's kids at each other's house and, and, and you're eating meals together and you're praying for each other and you're sending each other podcasts and you're sending each other verses and you're encouraging each other in, in the call of God for your life. It's not this, I'll see you once a week, hi, bye, pat you on the back, and then you don't talk to anybody at church for the rest of the week. That's not fellowship. And if you're doing that, you're missing the point. And you're hurting yourself because that's not the way that God created it to be. He said it's not good that we're alone. He doesn't want any of us to be alone. And that's why he said, okay, well, I'm going to give you a community, a family to be a part of. And that is the local church. And that's where you find the closest people in your life. Notice, not the only people, but the closest people to you because they're going the same direction. And you will become... Like those you hang around. Let's look at verse 46. If we could jump to Acts 2.46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Now they were coming to church every day. Crickets in here, isn't it? They were, okay. Now we think we're, we're doing something when we come to church. One time for two hours every seven days. I'm just saying, guys. This is American Christianity we're doing. The early church met daily. I'm just saying. So if we ever add some more services in here, don't think we're extreme. We're not anywhere close to the early church. They met daily. Why? Because they were so in love with each other. They were so in love with God. They're like, hey, let's do this every day. Now, once again, they had lives. They had families. They had jobs. But they made an effort to put God's things in first priority. They worshiped together at the temple each day, but notice what they also did. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and also they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill to all the people, each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Notice not just the chili cookout. He added to their fellowship that deep, intimate relationship those 3,000 people were having. They were being added daily. The Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. You know, I believe with all my heart, people, when they see a real community and a real church that does this, it's attractive. They want to be a part of it. You don't got to beg people to be a part of it. When they see people that are really loving each other, giving to each other, praying for each other, doing life together, they want to get in on it. 
And that's what the early church was going on because there was all these people that were seeing the early church, seeing these early believers. There was 3,000 of them doing this day after day after day. And they go, man, I want to be a part of that. That looks like something that I need because I need the right people in my life. And I need community like that. And I need some friends that are going to be loyal and faithful and good for me and, and help me to grow. And they saw the early church and it says the Lord added to the church daily. Isn't that amazing? My prayer is, God, let that happen here at Church on the Rock. Let the Lord add to this church daily. If the early church, it could happen for them, it could happen for us too if we do the same things that the early church did. They saw their relationships and they said, I want to be a part of that community. I like what I see there. I love how they love each other. They pray for each other. They are loyal and covenant to one another. I love how they take care of each other when one's down and one's hurting. I want to be a part of that community and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Notice not every week on a Sunday morning, daily. But it came because they were in fellowship, doing life together. They had the right relationships. Now, let me shift gears here because it's got to get a little more intense. This is the part of the service where you say, bring the sandwiches. <laughs> okay. You got to realize you become who you hang around. You become who you do life with the most. And they've studied this before and they've realized that actually most people, they can only have 150 connections in their life. That's how much you can handle. Now, out of the 150, you can only have five really close friends. Now, this has been studied. This has been researched. That you literally can only handle five close relationships. You only have that amount of brain power, mind power, emotional energy to have five close relationships. So we got to realize we can't. Be close to everyone. We're going to have to choose the people that we need to be close to. And those people should be in the local church, the community of faith. Now, once again, just to clarify, because I know everybody's so sensitive these days. I'm not saying don't have friends outside of church. That's weird. Some of y'all need some friends outside of church. You're getting a little too spiritual. You need a little more carnality on you. Joking, joking. You need some friends that don't believe like you. How's anybody going to get saved if you don't have a friend that's not saved? I'm just saying. You need to have relationships outside of church, but I'm saying the closest people to you, you need to have them in the community of faith. Why? Because the top five people in your life, because you can only have really five close people to you, should be the people that you want to become like. Should be people, you see something in their life and say, I want to have a marriage like them. And I want to have children like them. And I, and I want to have my finances be like them. And I want to have my spiritual walk be like them. And I, and I, want, to, I want to think like them. And I want to dream like them. And I want to believe like them. And if those top five people in your life are not like that, you should change. Yeah. 
Because whether you want it to happen or not, who you are around all the time is who you are becoming. Whether that's good or bad, whether that means you're growing or you're stuck, that's who you're going to become is the people that are closest to you. Now, this will date me just a little bit, but y'all remember when you used to have like the, the fave five on your phone? You could choose like five people or back in the day, who had a MySpace? Raise your hand. Okay. On MySpace, you could choose the people that were in your little friend list. So everyone knew who your main people were. You know what I'm saying? But you can only choose so many people. And if somebody got took off the list, whoo, somebody needs to share the tea on this. What is the gossip? You got removed from the top five people on MySpace, on my friends list. But the reality is all of us have a top five list. All of us are choosing five people because we can only handle really five close relationships to do life with. And those people are either helping us or hurting us. You got to realize too, they've studied this. And if you take the five closest people to you, you are the average of the top five people in your life in every area. They've studied this and, and found out if all five of your friends are overweight, you're going to be overweight. If your top five friends are all fit, you're going to be fit. It's quiet in this. No, we haven't even talked about physical disciplines yet. That's coming in a couple weeks. So if, you, if you're this quiet then, praise God for that Sunday. If, if your top five friends make poor financial decisions and are always in debt, you're going to be in financial debt and make poor decisions. If your top five friends have great marriages, you're probably going to have a great marriage. If your top five friends have not so great marriages, you won't have a great marriage. Why? Because you become who you're around the most. And they've studied this. You are the average of the top five closest people to you in your life in every area, physically, mentally, spiritually, even financially, you take the, the, the five closest people to you in your life, you probably make the average of what all five of them make. Wow. It's proven. Yeah. Why? Because you become like those you're around. Right. Sometimes that's great, and a lot of times for us, it's not so good. Because yeah. right. those people are holding us back. They're keeping us stuck. But whether we like it or not, we are the average of the top five people, closest people to us in our life. Now, if you feel encouraged right now, then you're in the right place. You're on the right track. But if you're feeling a little uncomfortable with what I'm saying, you need to make some changes. If you're feeling a little discouraged about I'm the average of my five closest friends, you need to make some drastic changes in your relationships. Not being mean, not being rude, but your life is more important than staying stuck for some people that don't really even care about you because they're not helping you in the first place. Come on now, somebody. Now, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and it's true for teenagers, but it's true for adults. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you don't like where your friends are going in life, then you need to change because that's going to be your future if you keep hanging out with those people. Like I said earlier, 
it's so great to know we're all adults in here. So guess what? You get to choose. If you don't like it, change it. If that makes you uncomfortable when I say, show me your friends, show me your future, then change it. But if that makes you excited, then you're on the right path and have the right people in your life. Because you will become like those you're around the most. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What I've seen in my life is, I'm going somewhere today. I appreciate you being with me. I can tell you're pulling with me today. What I've seen in my life is a lot of people make excuses to keep the wrong people in their life. These are one of those issues in church that people really don't like people to talk about it. But I've seen that my whole life. We make excuses to keep the wrong people in our lives, even though it's hurting us, even though it's keeping us stuck, even though they are not doing anything to help us to get into God's plan for our life. We make excuses to keep them in our life. Here's a couple reasons why. We do it because we're familiar with them. It's comfortable. Like I said, we've always known them. It takes no effort. It is what it is. I've always known these people. It's our comfort zone. So a lot of people will make excuses. We're like, I've always known them. What are they going to think? I didn't say you didn't have to ever talk to them again. I just said you might need to distance yourself and find some new closer friends. But a lot of times we keep relationships and we make excuses why we have to have them. Because we're familiar. It's comfortable. It's easy, but it's not helping us. It's not helping us grow. It's not helping us change. It's not helping us step into all that God has for us. Along those lines, we don't give up certain relationships because of soul ties. The Bible says that when you are close with people, you become knit together in your soul. It's not just a sexual thing. You don't have to be with somebody sexually to have a soul tie. Whoever you're talking to the most, guess what? You have a soul tie with. Whoever you're texting the most, you have a soul tie with. Whoever you're Snapchatting the most, you have a soul tie with. Because it happens when you spend time with them and talk to them ongoingly, you create a soul tie in your soul. So when you try to break off that relationship, not just a boyfriend or girlfriend, when you try to break off that friendship, there's so much emotion attached to it. You're like, I could never do this. Why? Because they're in your soul. And it hurts to break up. So a lot of times we have people that are still in our lives decades later that we should have got rid of a long time ago. But we couldn't because it's a soul tie. It would be too hard to break up. Not talking about a sexual relationship, not talking about a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, but just a friendship. It's too hard to let them go. But that relationship is hurting us. But lastly, we don't get out of certain relationships and we make excuses to keep the wrong people because we have fear that we won't have anybody. If I let them go, who will be my friend? Right? If, if I stop hanging out with them, who will I hang out with? Right. 
It's legitimate. I feel it. But here's the truth. And I've found this out in the scriptures, but not only the scriptures, my own personal life. When you trust God, and I'm about to preach, to let go of the wrong people. Because God said you need to let them go. When you trust God to get away from the wrong relationships, to distance yourself from the people that are holding you back, to distance yourself from the people that are not growing, to distance yourself from the people that are not changing, to distance yourself from the people that could care less about your relationship with God. When you distance yourself from people that are living in sin, when you distance yourself and you decide by faith to listen to God more than your feelings, here's the truth. You're not going to be alone. Because every time in my life that I've chosen to do that, God has brought better friends, better relationships, my God, better people into my life that were a hundredfold better than the relationships I lost. But I never would have met those people if I wouldn't have given up the people that were hurting me in the first place. Goodness gracious. Come on, I'm saying something this morning. But most people, I can't give them up. Because what if I don't have any friends anymore? It's fear, not faith. But if God is speaking to you, and I know some of you already during this message, you're feeling uncomfortable because you already know names. You know names. You can feel it. You know where they're at on your phone, and you're thinking, man, I can't give it up. It's fear. But if you do it for your future and because God told you to, he will always bring better people in your life. And you know what I found out in my life? A lot of times because I moved on with God's plan for my life, all the people that I left in the past came back around because they respected my witness that I made the right decision. Are you here in this Methodist Pentecostal church? Because you got to choose the plan of God and what's best for your life more than relationships. But God will send you better friends. But you got to be in faith enough to let go and say, God, you know what? I believe you're going to bring me better friends. I know that I feel fearful right now, like I'm going to be alone and I don't got anybody anymore. It's not true. You know, I've done this multiple times in my life. And uh, I don't regret any of it. And I had to make a choice. I still love those people, but I'm going to distance myself because the plan of God is more important. My future is more important. And it wasn't fun at the time being, but every time God is faithful, he brought new people in my life. Better people in my life. Covenant people in my life. But I had to let them go. I had to let them go. And for all of us in here, there might be a season that you have to do that, that you might feel alone, but it won't last forever. I'm not saying if you give up all the wrong friends today that you're going to get 10 new ones by next Sunday. I didn't. There are some seasons in my life. I'm talking, I'm not talking about when I was a teenager, when I was adult, I had to hang out with my parents. You know, 
I'm not talking when I was a teenager. I'm talking about like when I'm in my 20s. I'm hanging out with my parents on a Friday night. Feeling very insecure. Like, really? This is all I got in life at this point? This is what it's come down to, me and mom and dad. And there were seasons where I had to do that. Why? Because I didn't want to be with the wrong people. And because I did that, God brought better people into my life. You realize when I was doing that back then, can I just say it like I feel it today? I didn't know Chad Steele yet. I didn't know Amzie yet. I didn't know Michael Manning yet. A lot of people I didn't even know existed yet. But God all along was looking at my decisions and saying, well, I'll send you them, but you got to get rid of the people that are around you right now. Because if you won't let go of what's in your hand, God won't let go of what's in his. You got to be okay to let some people go. Not out of rudeness, not out of meanness. Don't like when you leave them say, well, I'm out of here. This is over. (laughs) I will never talk to you again. I'm not talking about that. I got love for everybody, even people I'm not close with anymore. They know if they needed me, I'd be there in a second for them. Never had that type of conversation, but you do need to distance yourself. Why? Because you want the right relationships in your life. I got to speed up, but you're pulling it out of me. We become like those we are around the most. You will think like them. You end up talking like them. You will believe like them. You will dream like them. You will love God like them. Your marriage will look like them. Your kids will look like them. And your life will look like them. It's funny. This is not in my notes. But uh, there's people that I was close with. And uh, when they were in our church, they talked a certain way. Like, I'm not just talking like Christianese. I'm talking like they talked a certain way. And like, I hadn't seen them in months and months and months. And they'd been hanging out with a certain type of person. And like, I saw them like a year later. And when I talked to them, they were just like completely hood. (laughs) And they weren't hood. Are you with me so far? Do you know what hood means? I realize there's a lot of white people in here. (laughs) They weren't hood when they left the church. But I know that where they were going in life, they were starting to hang out with more people and they were starting to get into some drugs and they were starting to get into some other stuff. And when, when I talked to them a year later, they were a completely different person. They talked different. They acted different. I was like, where did you go? Are you still in there? Because even the way they talked and their mannerisms was like a completely different person. When they left, they didn't talk that way. But why? You become like those who you hang around. Sometimes it's not obvious to you, but to people that know you, it's obvious. Let's look at a verse here, Proverbs 13 and verse 20. In the New King James, it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion or the friend of fools will be destroyed. Let's look at it in the Passion translation. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked and you'll eventually become just like them. Look at what it says in the message. 
Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. Clear enough? Now, this is one of many, many verses in the Bible that talks about what happens when we hang out with the wrong people and what, hangs out, what happens when we hang out with the right people. Why? Because we become like those we're around. If we walk with the wise, we become wise. But if we walk with fools, we become a fool. Here's the reality of this. Pastor Nancy says this, and she wrote this actually in the foreword of Dad's book about spiritual fathers. She said, when God wants to bless your life, he will send somebody. But when the enemy wants to hurt your life, he will send somebody. <laughs> A lot of times we're, we're not looking for the enemy in that way. We're thinking that if the enemy wants to take out my life, he's going to come to my house with a pitchfork dressed in a red suit saying I'm the devil. No, he's not. When the enemy wants to mess with your life, the most frequent way he affects our life is he sends somebody. But when God wants to bless your life, he sends somebody. A lot of times... A lot of us in here, because a lot of us are believers, we go to church to some level, we're looking out for the drug dealer. Right. I'm not friends with him. Yeah. Or the prostitute. Right. Or the person who's into voodoo and casting spells and into witchcraft and works at Rainbow Blossom. <laughs> I shop at Rainbow Blossom, but I just got to say it. He knows that you're smart enough to avoid those people. The enemy knows that. But it's still true. When the enemy wants to hurt your life, he sends somebody. And guess what the somebody looks like that he sends you? It's going to be somebody you like. It's going to be somebody that you think is attractive. It's going to be somebody you think is funny. It's going to be somebody who has the same interest that you do. Oh, my gosh. He's not going to send somebody that you're looking for from a mile away because he already knows that you know to avoid certain people, he's going to send somebody that looks like everything you ever wanted in a friend. I'm going to take a lap on this life group Sunday. Why? Because Pastor Nancy says when God wants to bless your life, he will send somebody. But when the enemy wants to hurt your life, he will send somebody. Why? Because you will become like those you're in relationship with. The closest people into your life will change you and you will become like them. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Look at what Galatians 5, 7 says in the New Living. Galatians 5, 7, if we could pull it up. Paul speaking to the Galatian church, he says, you were running the race well, who? Yeah. Didn't say the devil. Paul tells his Galatian church, you were running this race well. You were following after God. You were on the right path. You were running the race well. Who has held you back from following the truth? There's always a who. There's always a who. When I see people that used to sit on the front row, sit in the middle row, sit on the back row, 
They didn't just do that. There is a who. People that used to be involved in ministry helps and giving and excited and now acts like they could care less. There's always a who. Don't just say the devil. No, there is a person involved in this. Maybe multiple people. There is a who. When I see people that are taking steps back, not taking steps forward, there's always a who. Paul said, you ran really well. You were doing great. Who hindered you? Who stopped your progress? Who did that? Because there's always a who. Why? Because when God wants to bless you, he sends somebody. But when the enemy wants to take your life out and hurt you, he sends somebody. Why? Because that's one of those things that we don't see coming. How many know the enemy's been doing this for a long time, longer than you've been here? He knows what he's doing. And he knows how to trick people. He knows how to deceive people. So what does he do? He sends someone. Or several someones. You were running well. Who hindered you? From obeying the truth. You realize every sad story starts that way? Are you with me today? I'm about to close. That doesn't mean anything, but I had to say it. (laughs) Joking. I really am. Every sad story starts that way, doesn't it? They were such a good kid. You ever heard this story? And then they started hanging out with... Mm Mm-hmm. What happened? They became like them, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, oh, man, they had so much potential. Man, they were, they were going to do such great things for God, but then they started hanging out with. Yeah, because there's always a who. Yeah. Oh, man, they, they were passionate about God, and they were, they were living for God, but then they started hanging out with. There's always a who. Every sad story about anybody who's ever lived that their life starts going backwards in their life, is not the life that God has for them. There's always a who attached to it. We need to be more discerning, church family, on who the closest people in our life are. They should be people that are a part of the community of faith, but also you look at their life and say, I want the future that they have. I want to become like them. That doesn't mean they're perfect, but they are pursuing the same things that I'm pursuing. They're running the race with me, not hindering me. We're going in the same direction and they are helping me grow and change and become the person that God has me to be. But there's always a who. But then there's, in the Bible, it talks about, specifically, there's two stories about two men on a boat with other men. That's why I titled this, Who's in Your Boat? We even use terms like that. We're all in the same boat. Meaning, hey, if we're all going to drown, we go drown together. If we're all sinking, we're sinking together. But if we're all going to make it to the other side, we're all going to make it together because we're all in the same boat. But there's two stories in the Bible with opposite endings. One is Jonah. And that's what I want to ask you today. Who's in your boat? Because Jonah was on a boat, but he was in disobedience to God. Going the opposite direction of the way that God called him to go. And Jonah realized in that 
moment because there was a storm that came up that the boat was going to drown and they had to throw Jonah out of the boat so that they wouldn't sink and get to where they needed to go. Because Jonah was in disobedience. But then there's another person in a boat, Paul, in the New Testament, traveling to Rome in a boat, and he was being obedient to God. He was going the right direction, but he got put in that situation by other people. And because they were with Paul on a boat, they all survived. So my question, who's in your boat? Do you have Jonah's in your boats? That you need to give. Everybody getting overboard now. We got to throw them overboard. I love you, but all right, your catfish food from here on out. Or do you have Paul's in your boat? Because we all get to choose who's in our boat, who we're doing life with, who's the closest people to us. But realize there's always a who. But we get to choose. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if you have Jonah's in your boat, realize if you keep them in your boat, they're not just going to affect themselves. They're going to affect you. They're going to affect everything around you. Why? Because you become like those you're around. But if you got Paul's in your boat, you're going to make it. You're going to get to where you need to get. You're going to have safety. God's going to be with you. You're going to move forward because you got the right people in your boat. Are you with me this morning? I got a few more things. But who's in your boat? Because there's always a who. When God wants to bless you, he sends somebody. But when the enemy wants to hurt your life, he sends somebody. I wrote down three things as we close today on how do I choose wise friends or what are some things to look for. You need to choose a wise friend. And a wise friend is someone who is pursuing God and building his church. So think about the top five people, closest people in your life. Are all five of them pursuing God and building his church? Now hear me this morning because some of you are like, well, I got four out of five. Not good enough. You need all five to be pursuing God and building his church. Why? Because the five people around you will affect your life the most. You will become like them. If we're going to choose wise friends and not foolish friends, why? Because when we walk with the wise, we become wise. When we walk with the foolish people, we become a fool. Are the five closest people to you in your life, are they pursuing God and building his church? Now, let me get more specific because some of you guys think that you have those people and you don't. Are they passionate for God? Here's somebody who's pursuing God and building his church. They don't look like this in worship. It's not them. I love them, but it's not them. This is somebody you need in your life. This is somebody you need in your life. That's somebody who's pursuing God and building his church. That's a wise friend. A wise friend who's building the church and pursuing God is someone who's speaking God's word to you and not just gossip. It's speaking God's word to you, not Fox News or CNN. They're telling you what they're reading in the Bible and God's sharing with them. They're sending you podcasts. They're here at church every time the doors open. 
And they're not just somebody who sits on their blessed assurance. They're serving in the ministry helps and happy about it. They're tithing and giving offerings and excited about it. They're a part of the church community. They're in life groups. They're a part of what God is doing, and they are enthusiastic about it. That is a wise friend who's pursuing God and building his church. And if the top five people in your life aren't like that, you need new friends. I am not mincing words today. You need new friends. You do. That doesn't mean kick everybody else out, but you need to put some distance and say, no, I need the closest people around me to be going the same direction. Because I will become like who I am around the most. Wise friends, and I'm closing. You need to choose people that challenge you to think differently and dream big. Most people are stuck not because of the devil, but because of the people they're around. You need to be around, if you're choosing wise people, Someone who's going to challenge you to think differently and dream big. If you hang out with people that it's the same old, same old. Let's talk about the southern Indiana weather. You need new friends. You're talking to fools. If you talk to the person uh, that you're closest to and all they got to say is complaining about the job and complaining about gas prices and complaining about life, and never making any effort to change, you got the wrong friends. They're fools. You need somebody, when you get around them, they challenge you to think differently, to think like what God says, to think like what the Word says, to dream big for their life, dream big about their calling, dream big about their marriage, dream big about their kids, dream big about their church, dream big about what God could do in their life, not we're just existing here, guys. It's the same old, same old, man. We're in the Midwest. Let's just talk about the weather and the local news and my job that I hate and I don't even want to be about. Come on. Be around people that think differently and challenge you to dream big. If you hang around people that don't think differently and don't dream, you will become just like them. As negative and as narrow-minded and as stuck as they are and you wonder what the problem is, it's the five stinking people you're around the most. Goodness gracious, I could do a backflip up here right now. I'm trying to help you this morning. You got to be around a wise person is someone who's going to challenge you to think differently and dream big in every area of your life. You guys already know who this is. When you go to eat with them, how do you feel afterwards? Do I feel drained? Do I feel spiritually dull? Do I feel negative and depressed from that conversation we just had? If that's the truth, you need new friends. I don't apologize for my passion and enthusiasm. This is a matter of life and death for some people in here. Or you can have a conversation with somebody over lunch and you come out of it feeling faith-filled and encouraged and like, man, I'm going to dream bigger. I'm going to think differently. Man, I could do this. God's plan for my life can come to pass. I feel refreshed and I feel completely encouraged by that conversation. That's a wise friend. You better keep them close. 
And lastly, a wise friend is someone who chooses daily disciplines. I got that in on you. To achieve the life that God has for them. Brother Daryl, could you come play? Somebody who's choosing daily disciplines to achieve the life that God has for them. That's a wise friend. Your friend doesn't have to be perfect, but they at least have to be trying. That's why I said when I say choosing daily disciplines, they don't got to get it right every day. But you know, they're trying to change. They're trying to grow. They're trying to put things in their life to achieve the plan that God has for them. They're not just sitting on their, their backside waiting for God to do something. But they're daily disciplined to achieve the plan that God has for them. Why? Because you'll become like who you're around. If you hang out with lazy people who play Xbox all day, you'll be just like them. If you hang out with people who binge watch Netflix every night when they could be getting an education and they could be reading a book and they could be pursuing their, their future career, you're going to be just like them, stuck. Wise friends are those who choose daily disciplines to achieve the life that God has for them. And when you get around them, they're going to help you become more like that. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you walk with fools, you become a fool. If you walk with the lazy and unfocused, you'll become that way. But if you walk with the focus and the discipline, you become this way. You become like who you're around. A wise friend is those who choose daily disciplines to achieve the life God has for them. Last verse. I appreciate you listening to me today. And we're going to dismiss and we're going to go back to the fellowship hall, right? Large one, though. Don't miss it, because you go through the small one, then the middle one to the large one. And we're going to sign up for life groups. And we got life groups for men, life groups for women, life groups for the Corey group, for girls and boys. And uh, it's so important. Find a group. There is a group. Now, don't look at it and say, no groups for me. I don't see one for me. No, there is one on there for you. And uh, we'll make space for you. If they're too full, we'll make space if we got to, to get you involved. Last verse, Galatians 6 and verse 10, the message. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Let's leave this up here for a second. Paul speaking to the Galatian church and some translations say, you need to do good to everybody, but do good especially to those in the community of faith. But look what it says. He wants you to be good to everybody. He wants you to have friends and relationships outside the church. That's awesome. But don't forget your main priority and the closest people to you, you should be doing good to them. Why? Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And that's the way it should be. We're not against anyone. We're going to have friends outside of church. We need most of you in here. We need more friends outside of church that don't believe like us. How are we going to reach a lost and dying world if we don't? But we should do good to everybody. But especially starting with those who are closest to us. The people we're doing life with in the community of faith. We're going to pray. And we'll be dismissed. But could you stand up today? Appreciate you coming. Appreciate you listening to me this morning. 
This was a fun Sunday, great day. I'm really excited to get Life Group started back again. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word today. Thank you. We're not going to just be hearers, but we're going to be doers of the word that we've heard this morning. Father, we thank you for the right people in our life that you would send us and let us have the right relationships. Father, and give us the courage if we need to distance ourselves from the wrong relationships. Father, we pray right now that this would be the best season of life group we've ever had, that our relationships would get more intimate, that they would get stronger, that we would become closer with our church family and the community of faith. And we thank you, Father God, as we model that as a church, we pray that you would send people into our church community that people would get saved, just like it says in the early church, that the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Father, we thank you for unity in our church. We thank you for the best, most encouraging season of life groups we've ever had. Thank you for the relationships to grow and to get stronger and that we would all be open to the right community in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.